0: With that, we'll be continuing with the Advent season, I'm reading about the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 56. <clears throat> in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city, Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and in his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when there was a sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will be called, called me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, It's good to see all of you today. And uh, as Ilbum um, shared, and as you might know as we're singing Uh, sort of Advent-themed songs uh, this month, the month of December, is uh, the season where we celebrate Advent, where Christians and churches traditionally have been doing this, right? Um, And the word Advent just means the coming. So we are taking a look at the coming, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, of God becoming man, the Son of God taking on flesh. And, you know, last Sunday we covered Matthew's genealogy, sort of a high-level view of this, Uh, coming of Jesus. But today, as you've noticed, we're going to get into the uh, details of the events of Jesus's birth. Uh, We're going to see this week how Mary handles this news. Next week, we'll take a look at how Joseph handles this news. But uh, God uh, said, you know, God decides that he's going to let Mary know first, he's going to give her the heads up first, (laughs) and then then he's going to let Joseph know. So that's that's what we're going to follow. Here's our outline for today. Uh, The three things we're going to take a look at is first, we're going to see Mary's encounter with the angel. It's pretty cool. It's it's really interesting. There's a lot going on here. And then we're going to see what Mary does with that information as she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. And then lastly, we're going to see sort of how Mary comes to this full circle, this full realization, this trust in God. So that's our outline for today. Um, Let's take a look here at Mary's encounter with the angel. Our our passage starts off with the angel Gabriel, right? Gabriel is this very sort of um, high level angel messenger of God, and he comes to Mary and he say he says, "Greetings, O favored one. You are favored. God's favor is upon you." Now, uh, when God is favoring you, that's always a good thing, right? We're all looking for God's favor think finally I get a break it's about time but our text says that Mary was greatly troubled (laughs) she's like I don't know about this one (laughs) Uh, this is not the kind of favor I think that I'm looking for here and she's trying to discern it says discern what kind of greeting this might be the Greek word for greatly troubled is confused she's confused the Greek word for discern here means that she's trying to understand she is examining it's actually a legal term that was used back in the day she's trying to find out what the heck is going on and i think that many of us when we when we look at ancient history when we you know look at the bible we think that maybe people back then were naive and they associated everything that was unexplainable to the divine but when we look at mary here we she's experiencing an appearance of god but she's not convinced she's thinking Am I hallucinating here, right? On the one hand, she's not naive. She's not turning off her mind and just blindly following what people say. On the other hand, she's not being dismissive, right? She's not writing it off. She's, it says, discerning. She's trying to find out what's happening here. Uh, If you're not a Christian or if you're new to Christianity, um, here's the first thing we do learn in our passage. Christianity is not just blind faith, you know? Um, it's about finding out the truth. It's about making sense of the universe, about life, of, of suffering and pain, of life and death. It's about evaluating history and positions and the meaning of life. Mary shows us that responding in faith takes two things. It takes thoughtfulness. You can't be naive. But it also takes humility. You can't be dismissive. Because it is easy to be on the one hand naive and just follow, and that that's how that's how you kind of get like sucked into cults and stuff, right? Like you're not really being thoughtful of of scripture; you're just taking whatever this maybe uh, person or this speaker is saying. On the other hand, it's easy to be dismissive of everything and and cynical, to be sort of a council of one, and then then this leads to pride and. Stubbornness, And so we see here, Mary is both thoughtful and humble. She is discerning and she is willing to learn. And it goes uh, for you and me the same way. If we're going to have faith uh, initially, if we're going to have faith in the long haul, we need to continually be thoughtful and humble. And then in verse three, the angel proceeds to say, Mary, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Right? Even that word Jesus, that name is the Greek word uh, for the Hebrew word Joshua. What does Joshua mean? It means he who saves. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so, you know, Mary is, she is listening here. She's not just like, yeah, okay, that's awesome. No, she's like, hold on for a sec. I'm a virgin though. (laughs) How how can this be? It's a polite way of saying that's impossible. That's not scientifically. That's not empirically. That's not physically possible. And then Gabriel, I love how Gabriel, he answers her and he's like, you know what? That's actually a good question. (laughs) That's a very reasonable question. And so he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. That's how you're going to have a child. And your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. I love it. Gabriel's giving her context, you know? But think about this with me. Mary was just like you and me. And like so many of us, uh, she must have dreamt of her future life. She must have thought, I'm going to marry Joseph. He's good looking, goes to church. <laughs> My parents like him. We're going to have a house like this. We're going to have children, and we're going to live happily ever after. But God has a different plan for her. Like what many of us have to learn, she's not in the control of her life, is she? God is no matter what happens god is in control i think many of us we don't we don't have a problem believing in a god that we can control that doesn't require us to get startled troubled like mary he operates within our realm of future plans and our realm of security and comfort and expectations but that's not the God of the Bible. That's, that's a servant, right? That's an assistant. I'm going through this book uh, during the Advent season, and the author says this about this passage here, right? He's talking about uh, what Mary's relationship must be with God as the angel is communicating this message to her. And this is what the author says. He says, If the distance between the earth and the sun 93 million miles was no more than the thickness of a sheet of paper. Then the distance from the earth to the nearest star would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. The diameter of the Milky Way would be a stack of paper over 300 miles high. If the distance, this must be a typo. So we're going to skip that one. <laughs> but it says, if Jesus Christ holds all this together with just a word of his power, Is he the kind of person you ask into your life to be your assistant? So what we see here is that many of us, we have this relationship with God as if he's sort of our younger brother. You know, (laughs) I'm going to give you something to do. And by the time I get back from home, I want it done. (laughs) Now, That doesn't mean that we don't plan and and we don't strategize and and we don't get feedback and we don't prayerfully make wise decisions, you know? Uh, The book of Proverbs says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So you do have to plan, right? You do have to pray. You do have to deliberate uh, and and intentionally think through things with people in your life and, and with God. That's very important. But Proverbs also says later, if you... Finish the book. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So there is this paradox of planning, and then God's ultimate plan. And if you've lived long enough to experience uh, broken plans and unmet expectations, then you can understand maybe just a little bit what Mary is experiencing here. Uh, Initially, when you have a maybe big plan of yours not coming to fruition, there is this sense of distress, this sense of panic, this sense of fear and uncertainty. But we have to give Mary lots of credit here. And she doesn't ignore God and she doesn't get angry, right? It's easy to get angry. When something isn't get going uh, right in our life, it's easy for us to get angry. Maybe not at God, but other people. Right? It kind of bleeds over. But Mary doesn't do that. It's beautiful. She submits. It's quite extraordinary. And then she says, This behold, I am the servant, right? You're not my servant. I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Cannot imagine. Because Mary knows that, that she will be an unwed mother. She will have a child before she's married. And in that traditional society, her life would be difficult. It would be difficult socially. It would be difficult professionally. It would be difficult relationally. Her family may disown her. Joseph will think she's unfaithful. She'll try to explain to him, no, it's the Holy Spirit, Joseph. I don't know about that. Her life will be difficult. No one will understand. She'll try to explain, but no one will ever understand, right? I think many of us feel like that sometimes. We're trying to explain to someone what it feels like to, to experience what we're going through, but there is this sense that, that, that no matter how much you explain, people just won't understand. It's a difficult thing for her to accept, but she submits It's not easy, though. There's no joy, right? She's not saying, God, I get it now. I'm I'm excited to be a part of your plan, right? No, she's saying, I I don't understand this. Uh, How could this be? But I'll trust you, God. It's sort of like a (laughs) semi-surrender, you know? Uh, And sometimes, church, that's the best that you and I can do, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's nothing wrong with this at all. Sometimes that's just all we can muster, you know? Um, you know, sometimes even for me, when I'm going through a rough patch or a rough season and I share with my friends or I, I share with you, uh, people will encourage me. They'll say, We're praying for you. They'll, they, they'll say, We're here for you. They're saying, You know, uh, God is going to use this, right? Weeping tarries for a night, but joy comes with the morning. That's the truth, that is the reality but it's hard for me, right? I'm not experiencing joy. I'm enduring, I'm persevering. My faith could be doing better, but I'm trying my best. So maybe, friends, you're here and you've experienced a season or two like that. Maybe you're in a season like that right now. Well, I'm here to encourage you that you're not alone. Mary was there. I'm there. We're all there. Maybe your faith could be doing better. Maybe your faith right now is not necessarily an overjoyed sort of life is on the mountaintop kind of faith, but it's the persevering kind of faith. Life is in the valley faith and enduring faith. You're trying your best. And what we see here in Mary is that it's enough to move you forward. Right? And that's all we need sometimes. We just need enough faith to move us forward one day at a time, one week at a time. And that's what we see here. The other thing we see here is that this passage teaches us what it means to have God's favor upon you, doesn't it? Right, Joseph, um, and we'll see this next Sunday, but he ends up staying with Mary because the angel keeps him in the loop. It's a good thing. That's a win. But still, Mary becoming the mother of Jesus is not going to be a comfortable or secure thing one bit. This child that she would give birth to, that she would nurse and raise up, would eventually become a very, very poor traveling preacher. He would reject the upper, sort of well-respected inner rabbinic circle, and instead he would have friends in, in very low places, right? That's very concerning for a parent. You know, if I called Luke and I said, hey, where are you at, buddy? And he's like, oh, dad, I'm at a party with prostitutes and tax collectors. it's like, again? <laughs> all right, man. Hope you know what you're doing. Right? Early on, Mary would get very little quality time with her first child because he's always reading the Bible. He's always in the synagogue. <laughs> Mary's like, "Ah, Yeah, okay, all right. Jesus gets older, he's constantly correcting her. He's challenging her comfort and desires. Later on, Jesus would not even be able to contribute a single effort or single action or single penny to Mary in her old age because he's just consumed with ministry. Eventually, Mary would end up seeing her son willingly, stubbornly, not being able to even comprehend what's happening, but see her own son go to his death. To die a criminal's death, experiencing pain and shame. I mean, even after Jesus' resurrection, right, she would have to still deal with the doubters and scoffers after he ascends. And she would deal with the sadness of of not being able to be with him until she would see him in heaven. I mean, this is just, it's a tough draw, isn't it? Out of all the people in the world, God, you had to choose me. And you're saying it's, it's your favor. Mary might be saying, can I get unfavored, you know? I like to actually uh, say no to this church volunteer position. <laughs> I don't need to pray about it. It's okay. Mm, no, no, I don't know. There's that saying, right? God won't give you more than you can handle. And then it says after that phrase, well, apparently God thinks I'm a, you know? That was Mary. She's the original source, right? She copyrighted that. But still, the angel says to Mary. You are favored. Now, the Protestant reformers knew that the ultimate blessing and ultimate favor from God was the ability to glorify him and enjoy him, right? To be able to live in accordance with God's loving and righteous will means to glorify him, and that is the most joyful thing that a human being can experience, right? That's what it means to be favored by God. It's not easy, but it's supreme. It's what we were made for. But I think somewhere along the line, it's tempting for us to think that physical comfort and physical pleasure is the chief end of man. And that is the definition of God's favor. But that's the prosperity gospel, isn't it? Because the gospel message of the Bible is that God's favor comes through what? The suffering of his son on the cross. Jesus was God's beloved son, right? Favored son, most favored one. And yet he suffered on the cross for us for the sake of what? For the sake of the gospel. And So we we are to imitate Christ and live in union with Christ and God's favor isn't for the sake of physical blessing, but for the sake of the gospel. Let's take a look at Joseph, right, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it it constantly says that Joseph was favored by God. Not so Joseph could live a comfortable life. Actually, Joseph had a very, very, very difficult life. But God gave Joseph continual favor in order that Joseph could be in a position to be used by God for the sake of what? The gospel, to save people's lives, to bring about the gospel and reconciliation amongst his family. And through that, God's people are spared. The Abrahamic promise is preserved and the line of the Messiah is fulfilled. Favor. So I think you and I, we we do have to have a right understanding of what it means to be favored by God. Because if we don't understand that and we think we're pursuing God's favor, we are not. And we're missing out on this favor. Physical blessing in and of itself is a good thing. But alone is not God's favor. It's privilege, right? It's being fortunate. Because God's favor is always tied directly with the gospel. It's the ultimate reason why God blesses us, like Joseph, for the sake of the gospel. And actually, sometimes when we're pursuing the wrong favor, it can actually be a barrier and a hindrance to God. Right, And it could be a barrier to God's spiritual favor in our hearts and in our lives and our marriages and our family and relationships can lead to misplaced priorities, casualty of spiritual character and a false sense of security. Because there are many people who are physically comfortable and unfavored by God and going towards a path of destruction. And there are many people who are not physically comfortable, but favored by God and going towards eternal glory. So by looking at Mary here, man, we see so much, don't we? We see just what it means to be a Christian, right? We learn that being a Christian is a dialogical process with God, where we look for truth. He speaks to us in his word. We ask him questions and he responds in his word. We learn that control Is a chasing after the wind. And sometimes we just need enough faith to move us forward. And lastly, we learn here what it means to be truly favored by God, don't we? It's to be brought into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, and their mission of salvation and sanctification for the world. Right? If you think about favor, being in the presence of God right now, him partnering with us, for the purpose of salvation and saint, that's tremendous favor, isn't it? That he would use us to save people for eternal life and eternal glory. This brings us to the second point here. After this encounter, Mary gets up and she runs to her cousin, Elizabeth. So the second thing we learn here from Mary is that what is essential for a Christian faith is spiritual community, right? Spiritual sisterhood, spiritual brotherhood, right? Mary is initially accepting what God is doing in her life, but, but she's still struggling how this is a, a favorable thing, you know? And she doesn't completely see it until she gets into fellowship with Elizabeth. She goes to Elizabeth and then Elizabeth gives her the encouragement that she needs. You know, sometimes you, when you listen to the right people or when you're listening to the wrong people, that's the difference, Elizabeth helps carry this burden with her. So Mary is not alone spiritually, but she's not alone physically. And this is extremely important, friends. We can't experience God. We can't live the Christian life without a biblical spiritual community. So often the encouragement that you and I need comes through a brother or sister in Christ. Let me give an example um, when Jen and I were at our previous church and, you know, um, we're at a stable church, you know, um, Jen and I, we felt the call to Planet a church. And uh, we didn't know if this was a hallucination or from God. So we started showered with prayer. And the ones that we felt like uh, were being showered with prayer was that people were first encouraging us towards the obedience for Jesus's mission. You Got to be missional. Right? Not comfort, but faith. Two people were encouraging us to go towards lacking areas, right? Like the Bay Area. Not not where there were places where there were maybe a lot of churches and a lot of church plants, right? Right. Missional. And then then we noticed that there was two kinds of advice. One was there was there were people encouraging us from a position of fear, you know, like this is gonna be really hard you know um man you know you guys just got married if you want to have a kid right hard sort of fear afraid and then there were people that were encouraging us from a position of love and faith you see in the word in the word like, the bible says this so hey this is a good thing this is this is from god we believe we want to encourage you and and we wouldn't have come to the conclusion that God was calling us to plant a church if we did not get into that kind of spiritual community, you see? Even Mary, and she had a direct experience with God, had a talk to Elizabeth. She, she talks to Elizabeth, and Mary goes from fear, how can this be, to submission, thy will be done. And then we see here in our third point, to joy, my soul magnifies the Lord. My my spirit rejoices in God. But Mary would never have gotten to this point if she said, I just want to be alone. You know, I'm not in a good place and I don't want to talk to people. Her fears would have overcome her. But she runs to Elizabeth. She knows that she needs encouragement and prayer. And so what that means for us, friends, is that that you and I, we were never meant to be a council of one, you know? Um, we all need each other to help us see what God is calling us to do. We need to be reminded of who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, and we need to be encouraged to step out in faith, not fear. Right? Fear says, I know what's going to happen and it's going to be bad. That's what fear says. Faith says, I believe what God says is going to happen. It'll be hard, but it's going to be worth it. That's what faith says. And it's only together when, when Christians get together... And it's not just a member, but the entire body that we see Jesus completely, fully, and we can trust him together. That's the spirit of Christmas. It's spiritual companionship, don't you see? The the Christian faith, the, the scriptures have the real answer, the real spirit of Christmas, this gathering, this joy. It's spiritual companionship. Now, this brings us to the last thing we see here Mary's trust in God. After Mary sees Elizabeth, there is this revolution right? She's not the same woman that she was. She's growing in her understanding of what God is calling her to do. She is maturing. Comes to this beautiful statement of faith. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. Right? Something has changed, Mary, in her very core, in the very, very depths. Because I think you and I, sometimes we can, we, can, we can go to God, we can come to church, we can listen, and we can walk away unchanged. Unshaken. Unmoved. But Mary here has been transformed in her very depth. And, and she's she has joy now. She's out of the valley, right? She now, she's out of the sort of enduring faith, the valley faith. Weeping has tarried for the night. Now she has the joy. What she knew intellectually, now she is experiencing subjectively. What is that that's changed her? Did Elizabeth cook her a good meal? Well, there's a lot in this statement of hers, but I want to focus on what she says in verse 49 and 50. This is what Mary says. She says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. Now, before we dive into that, I just want to say this. right? Many of us, we love this time of year. right? I love the weather. I love the changing and falling of the leaves. I love the rain. I, I love it. It just... I mean, you know, it's it's this natural sort of seasonal sort of change that that is in in the world, right? Death and life. People are generally in better moods because they're looking towards the holiday break. We're with friends and family. But if you listen to some of the Christmas songs, the the, the Christmas songs that are out there, they they're very uh, overly romantic, overly sentimental. What do I mean by that? Well, I got these lyrics up here from this, this Christmas carol, Silver, Silver Bells, right? What does it say? It says, city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style, in the air, there's a feeling of Christmas, children laughing, people passing meetings, smile after smile on every street corner you'll hear. Now, Jen and I did a little Christmas shopping this week, and I'm telling you, man, there was no laughing children. <laughs> I did not experience any smiling drivers. I ex- experienced a, a finger, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm, what's the problem, dude? Lots of crying kids not getting what they want. Lots of angry drivers. I mean, there's another lyric here from you know this song "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." says Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, your troubles will be miles away. Right? This sort of sentimentality, this romanticism, this, what is it? Escapism, isn't it? It's escapism. It's the old school virtual reality. There's this longing for for escape, for joy and peace. Desire to forget about our troubles. But Mary's song is entirely different. It's not escapism. She says, holy is his name, right? Holy is his name. What does holy mean? It means that there is no evil or sin in God, right? So Mary is is not escaping from sin. It means that God is pure love and pure righteousness. There is no hate. There is no wrongness in him. Being holy means that also he is opposed to sin, He gets angry over sin. He is a consuming fire. He never gets used to it. One of the problems is that, uh, for you and me, is that we don't just sin, we get used to sin, right? We're comfortable with sin. Uh, Everyone does it, though. We excuse our sin. We get used to it. But for God to be holy means that he will never get used to sin. He can never forget and get distraught over the world's brokenness. He can never forget about our sin. That's what it means to be holy. God's not an escapist. He's holy. So God doesn't just write sentimental songs. He pursues justice he's going to do something about it he has to it's in his character it's in his nature but right after mary says god you're holy what does she say you're merciful <laughs> it's like you're holy but you're also merciful his mercy is for those who fear him right mary understands that god god needs to pursue justice he is the only hope for the brokenness and the pain and the suffering in the world she says but I'm still a sinner and I need God's mercy so how does this mercy come let me just end with this if you're at fault uh, in a car accident with a stranger they'll want payment for that fault that sin they'll want justice but if you're at fault with your mother or father what do you get You get mercy. They're not going to let your insurance hike up. I hope not. Maybe if you've done it multiple times as a measure of discipline. (laughs) But they will pay for the damages themselves, won't they? They'll take the punishment for your offense. They absorb the punishment. You get grace. And legally, you get to act like it never happened. The point never shows up. No one's going to send you a ticket for you to show up to court. There's no record of it. It's as if you never hit them. You see, mercy is not justice withheld, it's judgment withheld. And in our relationship with God, we incur an infinite amount of sinful crashes upon him. But as a heavenly father, he gives us mercy, doesn't he? Not judgment but only because on the cross, Jesus took the judgment. We get mercy, Jesus gets death. We get life, Jesus gets punishment. He gets condemnation, we get forgiveness. So when God looks at you, friends, you have to know this. Your slate is clean. So you don't have to love God and follow God and serve God as if you need to rectify your past. No, you get to love God and serve God and worship God out of the gratitude that your slate has been wiped clean. It's a different kind of obedience, isn't that? Fear, love. Jeremiah says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The God who can never forget, he forgets. And this, this church is the true Christmas miracle. And every, every, everyone's looking for Christmas miracles. No, this is the Christmas miracle. It's the ultimate gift. Everyone is looking for gifts. This is the ultimate gift. Everyone is singing carols. No, this Mary's song is the ultimate carol. There's Christmas lights, right? In the darkness. No, this is the ultimate Christmas light the ultimate banquet, the ultimate celebration. It's not escapism. It is is Jesus Christ and his love for sinners, his forgiveness for sinners, his hope for sinners. And he's committed to this now and forever. And friends, if you get this, when you get this, like Mary, you will be spiritually transformed from trouble to mere obedience to joy. It's a spiritual overhaul that happens over and over again in our lives and in our hearts. And risen, I pray, like Mary, that this would captivate us, this Christmas, original Christmas message, that it would grip us, that it would shake us, that it would be the heartbeat and the rub of our spiritual community, uh, the gospel. And that we would get to experience... Not the escapist, not the false stories of Christmas, but the true story of Christmas. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We come before you, and uh, it's a great season. It is, but but the great season without the ultimate greatness of the season is is fleeting. And it's still not enough because there are those of us here during this season that are still dealing with brokenness, that are still dealing with pain, that are still dealing with trouble. And we just want it to go away, myself included. But when we look at Mary, we are challenged with what it means to be favored by you. It's not just physical comfort. It's this spiritual redemption that you are doing in our hearts. This spiritual sanctification, this relationship with you, so much so that the apostle Paul says to live is Christ and to die is better. What? To die is gain, to die is favor because he is reunited with you sometimes we we, we just want to stay here and we want to hold on to the things that we're not meant to be held on to. So Father, would you teach us? Would you comfort us in our pain? Would you bring about a spiritual community to encourage the encouragement that we all need? The faith that we need just to move forward. The enduring kind of faith. We We all know what it means to have the on top of the mountain kind of faith, but we need to learn what it means to have the persevering kind of faith. The faith that endures for the sake of not physical comfort, but for the sake of the gospel. So Father, during this time, this this Christmas season, would you help us not to escape, but will you help us to lean in with faith and love and what you are desiring to do in our hearts, and, and, and with every single one of us, it's always different, but you are the wonderful counselor, the perfect comforter, and you alone, through community, give us exactly what we need, and so we, we thank you for this message, we thank you for this hope, we thank you for this joy, and it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen.